0: to the coaches rising podcast and I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. I just got off the call with Indra Adnan who is the guest on today's podcast and it was a really great call. So what we're going to explore today is Indra's work and how she sees the revolution that we are in the midst of and We'll talk about the systemic, how our clients and we often focus on them as individuals in our work, but that actually they're situated within this world and that this world is having an impact on them. I'm staying the obvious, but maybe it's time for us to begin to deeply question the worldview that we're immersed within and how that leads to our sense of well-being and meaning and potential for collaboration and creating a better future. So we'll kind of look at this interplay between the individual and the collective or the systemic. And we'll talk about Indra's work. She's deeply immersed in how can we create collective social transformation. She's been immersed in really cool projects that we'll talk about that are doing that today. Just a bit more about Indra, Indra's been writing, consulting, network building, and event organizing on the themes of future politics, conflict transformation, the role of arts and integral thinking uh, for over 20 years. And she's the founder and co-initiator of the Alternative UK, which is a political platform which answers this question, if politics is broken, what's the alternative? Indra is also a a psychosocial therapist and founder of the Soft Power Network, and I recommend her book, The Politics of Waking Up, Power and Possibility in the Fractal Age. All right, let's dive in. Here is the conversation with Indra Adnan. So Indra, it's really cool to be with you again. Uh, we saw, we actually met for the first time in the panel in our recent summit. So I'm, I'm really happy to see you again. How are you today?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. It's uh, nice, cool weather today, which... Uh... It's I'm grateful for. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's not often you say that in, in you're in Britain, aren't you? Uh mm. in Europe here. I, I am. And but yeah, yeah, it's been it's been hot recently, hasn't it? So
1: Yeah, I know. I mean that uh, it's terrible. I, I I realize I've problematized the weather and I'm trying to struggle against that too much.
0: <laughs> well, we might we might get into this yeah. um kind of this might be part of our topic today. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, basically um I'm really excited to speak with you today because of um, how your work focuses on on um, you know politics and systemic change and soft power, and uh, what I appreciate about your work is that there's um, a, a focus on the potential for the future and and practical action, and because a lot of speakers right now, a lot of thinkers who are thinking about the world in general, you know, can have quite like a pessimistic view you know we had um, meg wheatley on here a couple of years ago and you know she's just firmly in the camp of like we're in civilizational collapse and it's got to fully collapse and so uh so we're going to talk about today about your work and how you see the potential for transformation and um just to say one more thing before i ask you a question which is what i why i think this is important for coaches is because you know, we we've um, we we could say like we're in the midst of a change in the world, and there's maybe one worldview breaking down, perhaps one emerging. We're in between worlds. That's how sometimes people frame it, and so you know, like a lot of coaches are coaching people who are then going back out into this world. You know, and and so. Um, Uh, And that world might not be set up to be most conducive for people to find meaning or well-being or collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just enough to coach people as individuals without thinking about the broader systems and worldviews that we're living within and how that impacts people. So, So kind of that's, for me, like the real context of our conversation today. So I guess my first question is kind of a general one, but... Like, I just wondered if you could introduce yourself a little bit to the the listeners and just say who you are and kind of like the path you've taken with your work and how come and and like yeah, what the what the focus is of your work. Like, you know, um, what is this potential we have for 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 mutually waking up? You know, and what do you mean by waking up? Um, so, yes. and then we'll kind of get more granular. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great. And thanks for giving me such a broad canvas to start on. Um, Yeah, so probably useful to know that, uh, you know, going right back to childhood, and this is something that uh, a lot of your listeners will appreciate and um, um, be ready for. um, I would say that the two big things that happened to me as a child were, one, I, I, I emigrated with my family. So I used to live in Holland, where you are. Um, and as a as a three-year-old, we emigrated to the UK, um, which was not a, you know, we didn't suffer the fate of, this, of, of many of the immigrants that we read about today. Um, you know, my father had a job and so on, but the upheaval of moving from one culture to another, um, of really, in a sense, at the, the age of three, ripping you out of your, what you understand to be reality, which is a cultural reality, um, and then putting you in a very different context where your identity uh, is being questioned all the time. So for me, I'm uh, Indonesian, Dutch. My father uh, was born in Indonesia, you know, in in, a, in a, from a Muslim family. My mother, Dutch, Catholic. And, um, you know, when we arrived here, we were obviously what would be described as mixed race, but At that time, uh, in the company that we were keeping, it was still unusual. So, And we didn't speak the language and so on. And so that was a big part of my uh, formation as a very early child. And so this otherness, being the other and observing society from the outside, what I would say is a big part of um, what I took on as a child. And then at the age of 11, um, my brother died in a car crash. And this was another big game changer, I suppose, for me uh, as a young person thinking, what is life for? Where are my real deep motivations? Um, And I struggled at that time in my relationship with God. I was um, still going to, to church at that time. I was in a convent school and I struggled with my relationship with God, who I begged to save my brother. And he didn't. Deliver. In fact, he didn't listen to my childish mind. He wasn't listening at all. So, so therefore, my question from a very early age was, where do I belong, and where is my agency? And I, I, if I look back now, I see that that was the thing that was driving me really through through all of what I would now describe as my career, which was never a normal career. Meaning, I never. Became a professional, even though I had all the chances and all the opportunities. I never became a professional and worked for an in institution. I was always searching, like a restless child, to find answers and meanings to things. Um, and my first port of call was that at an early age I became a Buddhist. You know, I, I, which for some people may be uh, taking on a new religion, but for me it was. In, it, it actually became. Uh, institutional, I joined a Buddhist movement, a global Buddhist movement early in life and saw in real terms how um, an, uh, you know, a global movement can self-organize to make change happen. Right. So now this movement, some people will know it, the movement of Nietzsche and Buddhists, um, uh, it was controversial. You know, it had to do very uh, extraordinary things in order to manifest itself as a movement. Um, But it taught me everything about the potential of human beings to organize socially and globally, Uh, because we were living that dream for a while. For about 15 years, I was in the Buddhist dream of we can change the world. uh, And it was very real. You know, we had had organized, there were 21 million people uh, in this movement who were making change happen. And at some point I stepped outside of it because I saw that it was nevertheless a bubble and it was still very driven by recruiting people to its cause. And that, to my mind, was always going to be a weakness because essentially uh, society is made up of diverse individuals with very different histories and you're not going to succeed by recruiting people inwardly. Really, this change happens when you can move outwardly into that diversity. So I'm I'm skipping a lot of things now, but to make some brief leaps then, I went from that that form of agency, which was quite um, very potent, uh, and then began to work with conflict transformation movements which were also global movements. Uh, and so the idea of how does we how do we overcome conflict? I stayed in there for a while. I went into the uh, area of the arts. What is the role of the arts for bringing people together? But I eventually arrived at politics. Um, and, you know, in my 30s, I did my master's degree in politics and decided I have to face this thorny issue of, is this where power lies? Um, I joined a political think tank Um, and all all of that time I was still exploring these issues of power. And I should say, I set up something called the soft power network uh, because one of my main interests was the difference between hard and soft power. Um, And I wrote about this. I became a a columnist in the guardian for, uh, for about six years, writing about soft power. Um, And just for your listeners who are not familiar with that term briefly Hard power, guns and money, coercion. That's the way we understand power. Soft power is the power of attraction. How um, you pull people into relationship and through relationship you have influence. Um, So in a country, for example, a country's soft power is its, uh, its narrative, how a country is perceived by the world. The best example is always America. The American dream was the very source of America's power in the world. Some people say it's the guns and the money, but at some point, it was during the Clinton era actually, they realized that their strongest weapon was their soft power. That the idea or the ideal of the American dream, which was carried by Hollywood and you know, the, the the image of the um, uh, Statue of Liberty and so on. Uh, the Twin Towers actually for a while um, was the thing that was attracting people towards America or people always want to be in relationship with America. They want a bit of America. And this was a global force. So hard power, soft power. Um, and then I arrived in politics. I I joined a think tank, which is a progressive think tank, and I even stood to be an MP at one point. But in that period where I was really looking to what are the keys to unlock uh, social change, well, socioeconomic change, um, I found that what was on offer or what is on offer uh, was completely dysfunctional. only 2% of people ever join up to be a member of a political party. And this is the reality across Europe and across the States. You know, even though this is the main vehicle of change, people are not engaged with it. And because they're not engaged with it, uh, the, the, the information and the narrative that the media feeds on is coming out of a very small group of people. Um, and the mechanism of politics is still to divide and conquer. So the reality we have in, in, in our countries, all of us, the, most of us who are listening probably, uh, is that about half of a country is, is fully invested in the failure of the other half. You know, we have othered often 50% of our own people. And our idea of winning is to win against them. And we we what we wonder why we can't get our act together in the face of the climate crisis is because essentially when we're thinking about power, we're against ourselves. And if you think about how that appears in the mind or the spirit of an individual, um, it's quite profound. And that's the very thing that we're trying to overcome. So it was on the day that Joe Cox was murdered. I don't know how many of our listeners will know what I'm referring to there, but she it was in the middle of it was five days before the Brexit referendum took place. One of our MPs was murdered by well we'll never know, actually, but let's say, on the surface, at least, by somebody crazed, you know, by the, the way the media has led one side to believe that the other side is, you know the enemy. I mean, a serious enemy. And this is on an issue that nobody cared about two years earlier, right? This is how much people have been framed to, to or, or, or led or entranced, let's say, to be against somebody that's really just living a few doors away from them. Um, we'll look into that process a little bit more. Um, but that was the day I jumped ship and said politics is broken and started a platform called What's the Alternative? So. The alternative UK at that time, now the alternative global for reasons I can describe, um, began five years ago. Um, and for the beginning, we just started with reporting a daily blog on what we thought was happening outside of that 2%. So, what is the, what is the 98% actually motivated by, actually driven to do? Where is the innovation really occurring outside of this, um, media bubble of news coming from the 2%. Um, And uh, and it was absolutely fascinating, encouraging, uh, thrilling at times. Um, You know, if there's one thing I would would offer to people, if you want to feel better about the world, stop reading the mainstream press and start to explore what's happening outside of that story of our powerlessness. Um, Start to invest in that um but after 5 years we've come to some conclusions real ones about how social political change can happen um is beginning to happen but really does need much more attention and investment from more people to to accelerate that progress uh in a way that would help us to meet our targets for 2030 and so on which we know are real scientific um Necessities. I hope that gave you a quick. (laughs) That's great.
0: Yeah. Well, there's so much in there. There's so much I could ask you. Just one quick, like, question. You know, you said like stop reading the mainstream news because I can feel that too. You know, it's just this Mm. such a a weight of like powerlessness, sense of powerlessness inside of it, despondency. Mm. Mm. Where, Where where could people go to? read about things that are happening. That's just a quick interjection. Mm. And then I want to ask you a lot more about what you just shared. But,
1: Mm.
0: yeah, do you know any other sources where people could go?
1: Yeah, I mean, at the moment, uh, I'll just be very simplistic about this. We're trying to design a new media system that will give people a much broader and better alternative so they can choose something else. But even if you were – and you'll forgive me for saying that even if you signed up to our weekly newsletter, um, you would hear about, broadly speaking, three areas of development. The area of uh, human development, how human beings are evolving. Uh, Then the area of social development, meaning how communities are beginning to self-organize in the face of the major crises that we face. And then the third one would be, what is the growing impact upon our planet, and how can we become cosmo-local? Meaning, whatever we're doing in our daily lives can have a direct impact upon the planet. Um, and that's that new axis that we describe as the axis of I to we to world, you know, learning how to relate the health of the complex human being directly to the health of the planet is the way the narrative has to shift. So your health as a human being uh, means that you would take new actions in your daily life, but also specifically in the place you live, that would have a different impact upon the planet. It gives people somewhere to go and a way to be here on, you know, at this time. That um, we're highlighting in our daily alternative, um, but we now. Are, You know, our goal is to connect up the many, many news websites. A lot of them would be described as solutions journalism, but it's more than that. It's also, you know, the creatives, the the people who can see beauty uh, unfolding, you know, the people who are simply getting emotional needs met in better, healthier ways. All of these media type outlets, the incredible work you're doing here, you know, the many podcasts that have arisen that show whole new worldviews, somehow we have to move into relationship with each other so that when people start to look, they can see that there are many ways into this problem uh, and that we're all reporting about them and that there's, you know, that there's a, that there's a source, but connecting us all up is going to be an important thing to do over the next couple of years. So that, um a bit like, you know, what is the, what is the, alternative to the Rupert Murdoch empire. You know, there's an empire he has there that um, that more, more or less c- continues to carry the growth economy. Um, we're trying to offer an alternative to that. Um, yeah.
0: I, yeah, because um, I, I can feel how much I want to spend our time on talking about, you know, these three areas. You talked about human development, social community development and Mm -hmm. the growing impact on the planet and but i'm i'm just curious to spend a little bit more time on um yeah how could i put this but it's like you know this question we had in the summit you know which was like what do you feel we're being invited to question deeply right now about the way we perceive the world and who we are and how we're empowered within the world, you know, and I know you're, you're kind of speaking to that already, but Mm. I think it's interesting just to highlight some more of that. So people can get a sense of the water we're swimming in. And, you know, and I'm really excited when you talk about relationship and connectedness, I think I want to go there soon, but just, yeah, before that, what are some of these ways that things that we need to question? Yeah.
1: Yes. So, I'm going to actually go straight into this um, idea of the human being as essentially designed to get our emotional needs met. I mean, I think you're familiar with this school of thought, the human givens uh, school of psychosocial development, uh, which is something I trained in. But it fits very well with the wider political uh, space that that we're going to be talking about. So, if if we can accept that we are we are designed as individual human beings to become social, because as social human beings we can survive. On our own, it's hard to survive. As a society or as community, we are more equipped to survive. So, what occurs to us as need um, or motivation, the way that we're motivated is to become more social. And where we are failing to do that, we will see a particular need arising, right? I I hope that's, that's quite a simple. So when we feel the need for, example, more belonging, that is normal because to belong to a community is the way that we will survive. But the more difficult things to spot is the need for status, for example, um, or the need for meaning and purpose, or the need for achievement. Sometimes, when society plays into those things, we distrust them. Why, sh- why should a person need status? And we e- quickly um, uh, equate that with ego or a desire to rise above, you know. But status is necessary for everyone. People need to find their place in the community. And they need to be seen for what they come to offer uniquely as themselves, and so status is essential. the 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 criminality, in a way, of the of the of the society that has been designed over the last uh, hundred years or more, is that these natural needs have been met or seem to be met. Uh, by consumerism so as you have a need for example for belonging the advertisers have played right into that need for belonging and put in the place of how you would get that with a with a product so through consuming coca-cola you will get belonging through needing status you know Buy this handbag, buy this pair of trainers, and you will receive status. And this is how we've become addicted to becoming consumers, um, because we, for a very short amount of time, feel that need being answered by buying that thing. But we know it's short-lived because it's not really the answer at all. It's a simple. It's simply a temporary satisfaction of that need, and. The way that our society has evolved, especially through social media, is many, many quick hits of how we get our emotional needs met. Another very different kind of example would be, um, you know, the way that ISIS, you know, um, promoted itself to young people around the world as offering meaning and belonging and status and uh and purpose, um, you know, through joining that movement. I don't know how many people are aware that the, the basic recruiting tool for that was poetry. You know, through through poetry uh, that spoke to this deeper meaning about your identity in the world, uh, people would, could, could be recruited to that movement. And you'll see it happening everywhere. You'll see it happening in... In, in our politics, you'll see it happening in, uh, gaming. You see it happening in substances. You see it, you know, the, 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 the thing that we, the task and the challenge that we have right now is to be able to see that happening to yourself. When you have a desire, to be able to see what comes to meet that desire, what comes to answer that need you have. And to be able to stop and see whether or not that really is what you need. And the challenge is, how do we get these needs met in healthier ways uh, at this time? Um, Because the addiction is the thing that keeps us harnessed to the growth economy or to the idea of uh, chaotic needs being met by simple solutions the real task now is to be complexly needing and holding yourself long enough to be able to be able to answer those needs in ways that are going to create real value for you and your family and your community. It's quite a task, but at the same time, I do see that it's happening.
0: I want to ask, like, how do we do that then? Um, But Mm -hmm. first just um, because I get the consumerism, you know, like it, the, yeah capitalism's kind of like just moved into all these different areas you know um turned it into a kind of product you know and and then just moves Mm. on and everything becomes a product and Mm. um but then the kind of thing with isis that's not quite consumerism in you know in this Mm. idea of like advertising selling things for money it's more about yeah because i so i'm just wondering if you could speak a bit more to that difference. One thing feels more like um, you know a kind of tribal or a spiritual ideology that you know compared to you know traditional consumerism yeah
1: yeah well the, the, I think the slightly challenging or radical thing is to bring both of those into the same space and talk about them at the same time right. because you 're being hijacked all the time you know we we have a um, One of our capacities as human beings is that we have a a dreaming brain, right? So we are, you know, we we give attention to things because when we give attention to something, uh, that's how we learn and grow. From a baby onwards, you'll see the way the baby gazes at the mother or gazes at whoever's speaking, trying to download and is downloading reality, uh, complex reality into the brain, So where our attention goes, what can harness our attention is is something we have to become responsible for, you know, rather than believing that it's harnessed our attention because it's a good thing. It's answering this need. We have to be able to intervene in our own attention giving uh, to question what is working on me now. Now. To some extent, this 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 era, this period of us as a society questioning that, you know, is going to cause a lot of um, unrest for a while. It's a bit like, you know, any stage of our own development, when we suddenly see that we've been entranced by something that maybe was not all that perfect. You know, you might even say it's the moment that you catch out your parents and you say, Hang on, Mum and dad, you know, I can see what you're doing. I get that you're just, um, you know, trying to get me to do what suits you today, but I'm going to take that back. And that's an important moment of growing up when you can take back your own attention and become responsible for what you do now. That's the moment we're in. Um, And, you know, on the one hand, it could be a consumer product product. On the other hand, it could be a call to a great movement, but there's, it's still operating or acting on your dreaming brain, the thing that can be entranced. And learning to take some sort of responsibility for that, not to cut it out altogether. It's not the danger is, of course, I can, I know now that we're all going to, you know, that. The teenager, what the teenager does is to sort of take it all back and say nothing. I, I'm not listening to anybody anymore. But as mature adults, you know, the task is to just hold it for a moment and question, is this creating value for not just for me, but for all of us? You know, so while we're another good example would be the conspiracy theories that abound, Um, you know, w- Many, many people are are actually rightly in the in the process of slowly taking back their trust from mainstream governments who continue to keep us on this growth uh, or you know, the, you know on the old system. They keep they keep us entranced in, in this old system, um, because that is the power structure in which they are invested. But it's vital now for human beings to take back their own minds in a way to say, okay, is this good or is this not good? I'm being invited to do this. Will it actually create value for myself, my family, my community? Or is it just the latest thing that this politician is uh, selling to get votes? Quite often you'll find that you're being triggered. Brexit was one of those moments where there was a desire for more power over society. So this big story, if you like, about we can't thrive within Europe, we have to stand on our own two feet. This is a very entrancing story, but it doesn't have a lot of basis uh, in reality. It's a good emotional call, and it was good to to be called in that sense. Yes, we need to stand up and be more responsible. That's true. But does it mean that we have to destroy all of these relationships that we made uh, to become uh, to become uh, more autonomous and to be able to stand on our own? No, probably not. Um, any, any more than the minute you call out your parents that they're manipulating you. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I'm a parent. I know that I I manipulate my children, uh, but I want my child to be independent. Uh, I want them to, to be able to stand on their own two feet. And the moment that they do that, uh, it's great. It would be a pity if they felt they had to cut all ties from me in order to do that. So it's a sort of separating and establishing moment for human beings uh, in every kind of society. This is what I call the revolution that we've already been in for 30 years, like this is what's been happening that since the birth of the internet anyone with access to broadband or to you know access to any kind of interconnectivity even on a mobile phone has been exploring their own agency you know what am i in this system what can i do what's my advantage how can i progress i mean that's that's a, that's a revolution all all the way up to that point we were simply having to find something to belong to, a job, an institution, and then go with it, go with that thing, Uh, accept that the leaders are the ones who know. And and they were. They were the only ones that had access to the information that we now all have access to. Um, And this is that period. So just to go back to your question, it's more to do with can you create an intervention with the emotional response to your environment where you can say, hold on a minute, uh, let me just check that out. Is that, you know, is that really what is best for me or best for my family or best for my community or best for the planet?
0: Imagine that doing that collectively is important because um, of the collective nature of this Of what we're in, you know, like the systemic nature of what we're in. Mm. And um, um, I'm curious because this to me really relates to coaching, you know, like on an individual level too, you know, and in fact, at a point it becomes like, how can you actually separate out the individual and the the collective and where, where are our boundaries? Perhaps we've had a, you know, um, we've been overemphasizing the nature of our, individuality in some ways. Um, so, but it sounds like coaching. Yeah. You know, like que- question some of the, these, these deep held mm. um, ways of being and beliefs that we've taken on growing up and, um, you know, begin to make them more explicit and to then mm. be able to, to, to say like, is this something I want to keep doing or mm. keep being? And is there mm. something else opening up? And I guess i um, I'm curious, uh, you know, you're speaking into, but I'm into the how. But I'm I'm curious, like h- how we might begin to come together or mm. to uh, begin to transform society, uh, because it does feel like a tricky endeavor, and like you know, the weight of this thing mm. that we're up against feels feels heavy. And mm. and on top of that, you know, you mentioned the internet and the incredible thing of the internet being able to allow us to connect and hear different views. And, and at the same time, you know, the internet's also a place where, you know, you mentioned conspiracy theories and like what truth, you know, how do we actually find what mm. the truth is and where are these like, you know, echo chambers of, mm.
1: uh,
0: you know, views and communities that are like actually disconnected from yeah. this what's wanting to evolve and they're, you know, they're actually amplifying. And, um, so, so I'm guessing like the the simple question is like, could you like, what, how, how can we move forward or lean into the future and transform society?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So just to anchor the shift that I'm describing, um, so I, I imagine that all the coach uh, coaches listening will think, well, I, you know, it, what you're saying is quite obvious. You know, this is my this is my profession. You know, exactly as you've just described, and that's true. So the challenges or the thing that's in front of us is how we can uh, bring this uh, development of human capacity. You know, you you are developing your client's capacity all the time to live in in, a, in the world. How do we bring that development, you know, into the wider society is the question. So, if we think of of ourselves less as, uh, or I think of my my work less as psychotherapy and more as psychosocial therapy, is to be able to see that um, the 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 development that I'm experiencing could be a social development as well. Um, And to be able to always recognize how others who are the context for your growth, how they are experiencing society, um, and what is your influence on them. So that's the bigger picture, if you like, um, to think of yourself, your development as a social development. Because as you change. Uh, you will begin to observe your society differently. You know, as you wake up to your own former um, enslavement, if you like, there's a kind of enslavement to a, a way of being in life. When liberated, you're freer. But then you look at society differently than you did before. You know, maybe at one point, a lot of people suffering from anxiety or suffering from um. You, you know, some sort of um, what they would describe as mental unhealth is very often the result of being trapped mach- machine-like in a job or in a way of relating to society in which you can't fully express yourself or you are um, you lack time or you lack um, space to develop relationship with others These are all, in fact, uh, the design of our society right now. It's not your personal problem. It's a psychosocial problem. It's the context in which you are being invited to thrive that now you're being invited to change. Um, And you change it the minute you see it differently, right? So the minute you see it, you see and understand what you've been trapped in, an idea of yourself as a Cog in a machine, for example, or somebody under pressure to behave in certain ways. Once you see it and you feel liberated, in this case by your coach, um, you then can see how others are trapped and how others are living, still living this uh, impoverished idea of a human being. And it becomes your desire and your vision to be able to reimagine the public space. That's how I see things changing. And as they were changing, and they have been changing very noticeably um, in the spaces that I'm reading, you know, or in the podcasts I'm listening to, or, you know, you, you sense this development where people have a new imagination for the public space, but not yet the infrastructure to organize for that to happen. And what happened in the first couple of years of of, of, um, doing the Daily Alternative, we we began to develop this yearning for a new um, structure to invite people into that would help them in the place that they live uh, create more and more of these spaces where people could have this conversation and develop their idea of the future Together, knowing more about their human potential right? or sensing that we can be more than this. And so, we, we, we started to prototype something in Plymouth in the UK. Um, and, and all we were doing at that time was a sort of a political act, if you like, to say, in this community, we are divided in our minds by these issues. However, are we really? And we wanted to open up convivial spaces for people from very different, um, you know, parts of that small society in Plymouth to just be together in a place, enjoy each other's company, and um, start to think about the future together. And we developed this uh, collaboratory; we called it, which was a three-stage process. The first was called a friendly. Literally, people. We it wasn't easily achieved. We assiduously curated a space that really brought in people from different parts of the um, city into the same space. So, going out of the usual, what we call the usual suspects, um, and trying to bring in people who um, were not thought about by the people who are usually doing this kind of work, the community organisers, created a very diverse space. And then just offered food and drink, and we played sort of games together that were started to generate feeling and relationship between the people in the room. Just we had a good evening together. It was nothing much more than that. Um, And then invited them back again to do um, an imagination process. What kind of um, future do we want for Plymouth? We didn't address any of the problems. We didn't say, how do we fix this problem or how do we overcome that? We just catapulted people into their dreaming, you know, space and said, what kind of a future do we want? And then invited people to, to name a few things that they concretely wanted for that town, that so that city, and put it on the map. So the act of imagining and then putting that thing physically on the map, um, that we created on the floor of this space um, was a very important thing because it, 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 it manifested as a real thing as opposed to a thought thing. So this, this part is very important because a lot of politics and a lot of uh, where we are at talking right now, the meta space of how things could and would change is actually quite different from moving into building it and doing it. It's quite a shift. Right. So it's, it's the difference between thinking about we should go on holiday. Let's, oh, it's time you we went on holiday and actually getting on holiday, you know, and then moving and going to another country and experiencing that other country. I mean, this is a bad example, actually, because holidays are not really um, on offer. But all the same of, as thinking, you know, I need to learn how to swim. Let's all learn how to swim. Actually learning how to swim is a very different experience than talking about learning how to swim Um, or looking at an apple is very different from tasting an apple. And what we're trying to shift our politics into is this world of experiencing what it feels like to be together with the people that you used to think you couldn't talk to and building something together. That's the experience we're trying to offer. Coming from the theory of change that we know it's possible. And what we're finding is that building community uh, with others and doing something in the face of the crises, which are multiple crises, it's not only the environmental crises, um, gives people something new that they hadn't had before. and it's and, and it begins to generate something which could be how to get your emotional needs met in better ways. It could be the answer to... Uh, how do we how do we replace the consumer society with what? When this play, when this space is vibrant and challenging and creative and imaginative, it can begin to answer these needs. It's very different from a political space that gathers the angry people to other the other half and then to move into debate and try to win an argument. That's a very, very different space. Ours is to do with uh, the desire to have relationship, to, to experience creativity, to see things taking shape, being achieved. It's a very different offer. Um, and then when we, when we started to prototype this, um, the, the, the great thing is there was that moment when we realized that we're prototyping something that already exists. You know, when we started to look through these eyes, we began to see that these things have been taking shape everywhere, actually. Um, That we're not the initiators of this, that we're not the innovators. We're simply beginning now to, because we're doing it ourselves, to see that it's already there, that people have been doing this over the last couple of decades, coming together, being more creative, starting to create solutions But the lack of connectivity between these things means that they always think they're doing it alone. So the transition towns network, you know, is like a brave example of this, uh, but very, you're struggling against the tide, you know, of people who won't buy into this. So the metaphor and the narrative is it's a struggle. And eco-villages would be the same or... Sometimes the what we the fearless city network some of some of you will know this, you know the municipalities who are organizing in this way. I mean, there are countless examples of this being a moment in our human evolution where society is moving towards a more regenerative uh sense of purpose. But there's not enough story around this. There's not enough awareness that this is happening everywhere. And that's why we've shifted now our focus to developing the media of that and developing the interconnectivity between these things that are occurring naturally. And and that's now become our function, if you like, as the alternative because we don't need to do this prototyping ourselves because it's happening and it has been happening for a while we need to tell the bigger story of it um, that encourages people as they're doing it. Yeah, I get,
0: I get the sense of, well, first of all, it's an a, a amazing story, you know, like I'm enraptured by what you're sharing. Mm. And um, I get the sense of this is perhaps how the transformation occurs, you know, in the beginning there's, there's one story, you know, there's, there's this center and then there's everything on the fringe that starts to emerge. You know these different initiatives because they're feeling that evolutionary impulse, and mm. yet they're like spread out. And, and then suddenly more of them start to pop up. And at some point, you know, mm. it becomes necessary for a synthesizing or a you know um, um, uh, something to to connect all of those together. You know, and begin mm. to to bring it into the mainstream. It feels like, in general, the way our world has been designed. You know the mainstream conventional sent way the world the the world has been designed is being decentered right now you know if you mm. all these marginal voices coming into the middle and um so so like just a couple of reflections like first of all i'm like um i love i love that you talk about how do we how it's important to bring it out of just theorizing and and talking about things and actually do it you know because you know, that is an issue like this is a podcast itself. In some senses, we are like talking about things. And of course you could say it's also a doing, you know, where actually my, my highest desire is that this conversation touches people and, and then stimulates them to, to, to act in some ways. And, you know, coaches I like because coaches are having impact on people, you know, like there's a ripple effect and, um, and, and just like, the imagination too, like this is just so important. I think I just underlined that I wrote it down because mm-hmm. I feel like that's such an incredible asset we have. And one that we've kind of perhaps, you know, underutilized or, or it's been denigrated perhaps. I don't know, but it just, because in coaching itself, you know, like um I, I was speaking to someone not long ago who talked about the, the, um, the, the, neuro, how would you say it, like the neuropsychology or the, what happens inside of our brains when we start to mm-hmm. focus on problems, it activates certain networks inside our brains which closes mm-hmm. down to learning, you yeah. know, and to new ideas and new experiences. And when we, instead, if we, as a coach, if we begin by dreaming and visioning, that opens up our neural networks mm-hmm. into, a, con, into a state which is conducive to learning and change. And so you're applying that with these groups, you know, and, and and what I like is that um, you know, because sometimes I feel a bit like, oh, I'm into like these um, you know, like deep deeply spiritual ideas or you know, the 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 notion of presence, but how how um how much do people care about that in certain parts of society? So what modes can we bring that are just accessible to Mm-hmm. Or appeal- appealing is a better word, appealing to everybody. And so you were able to create spaces where people could come into connection. And I think that's the thing I want to come to as well. So imagination and and this idea of connection instead of division, you know, because yeah. these are like deep principles, aren't they? Of,
1: yeah.
0: Um, like I, I actually feel, and this is where I'll stop because I, I don't normally say this much, but mm-hmm. I actually feel that's part of the shift we're going through is that we've kind of, um, you know this, I'm influenced by one of my mentors, Steve March, who talks about fixed identities and fluid differences. How you, yeah, you know, we we've um we're moving out of this notion of being um something, a fixed identity, and the, and the fluidity, the relationship between us, the prior relationship is becoming more more important and, and um pronounced, you know. And so I kind of hear that in your story. It's like mm like quite amazing things can happen when people come together in connection in the moment, mm. you know, like if mm. you, you know, we can be in our houses and stuck in our stories, these reified stories about who the mm. other is and what the world is. And, and then when we actually come together in the moment as human beings, mm. and then suddenly we're, we're, we find this joy of connection and there's a, a collaboration and a shared vision possible that wasn't before.
1: Mm. I think I think that's that's you know and you're describing it um you know beautifully Joel you know and um I think that people would be yearning for that kind of experience you know but even as you're saying it I'm going to hold that we, you know we 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 need to stay aware that this was always the case you know we're not newly uh, it's not a new thing that we would use our imagination what what is what we have to become aware of is how our imaginations have led us in the past and now take some responsibility to use our imagination uh, and harness it to a different story deliberately. You know, so in a sense, in the question of what is the truth, that, that can't be answered. You know, we can't we can't answer what is the truth. What we can answer is what is your desire? you know, do you want to see a healthy planet? Do you want to see us survive? Do you want communities that thrive and flourish? Well, then you have to harness your imagination towards that. Because if you're just thinking about imagination for the sake of imagination, uh, that's endless and infinite and could lead you to the endless pursuit, you know. And I'm going to say that specifically because there are many – um Calls to imagination that don't necessarily lead to anything. They're just dwelling endlessly in the imagination or, um, you know, what could be or what I dream of or what I desire. Well, I'm glad that you're feeling that now. But, and then what? You know, it's not simply that we have imagination. The other aspect of imagination that we should always be aware of is that fear is also, you know, calling on our imagination. What could happen? Oh, my God, if I do this, this could happen. That's also the work of your imagination. You know, it's like somebody looking at a spider on the floor. You know, the imagination goes crazy. You know, I'm talking about myself now, you know. Um, but that's, that's also the work of my imagination. So imagination itself is not the ultimate value. It was always working. And in the past, uh, it has hit, it's hitched us to the wrong vehicle. We imagine, the American dream, you imagine as long as you work hard, then you're going to become wealthy and your children have the chance to become president. That is the imagination space that they managed to create for you so that you bought into it and then accepted that you have to work like a machine 10 hours a day for next to nothing while your imagination is still telling you this is going to lead somewhere. And then sixty years passed, and it never happened. That's also the role of the imagination, so it's being able to make deliberate decisions about what you're going to harness your imagination to is is very important. Um, so that's number one, and I'm trying to remember the other part of your question now because I wanted to really n- nail that before we went any further.
0: Perhaps I was talking about connection as well, people oh, it's coming connection.
1: together.: Yeah. yeah. Okay, so connection. I agree. The moment that you connect with somebody for the first time um, opens up a new world, right? So if, as you're standing next to somebody in a queue, right? Nothing. If you face that person and begin to chat because the queue is a long queue and now you're going to have a chat, world's open, right? As you, for, as you go into connection with this person. However, again remember how we've been shaped and how we are being how we are already uh, um framed and structured we tend to connect easily with people who are like us and we find it harder to connect with people who are not like us so the effort of connecting with people who are not like us is very important right now you know it's an effort it's not a And I don't mean an effort as in it's something you won't want to do. Uh, It's an effort because it doesn't come naturally. But the rewards of that are enormous. You know, you will enrich yourself so much more by being connected to somebody that you don't normally talk to, as opposed to somebody, uh, I'm not going to make this wrong, but I'm going to just make them as two things that you could be aware of. Somebody who just more and more deeply confirms who you are. Right. And I see this a lot, and I'm moving into dangerous territory now. But what I see a lot, for example, at this, in this era and this stage, is more and more men connecting to each other. Uh, And this is important, right? That they understand themselves better, that their emotions come to the fore, that they, but, and they confirm themselves in ways that society has not been confirming them. This is very, very important. But the connection between men and women where it really occurs and real differences can be allowed to exist and recognition being allowed to not collapse into we're all the same thing, but really I see you as different or as specific, you know, me seeing you as Joel, you seeing me as Indra, two different things, but how much I'm enriched by being in that conversation. That's the one that we need to be going for right now is going across the old divides, you know, and I I'd, I'd go even further in terms of the bigger picture to say that in the world of uh, the traditional or the historic world of women, this connectivity is not new. This is how we built our lives anyway, in the private space, in the community space. It was always about coming together and connecting and creating relationship and that being the bedrock of our society. So for us, it's not a new thing that this should be prized uh, now. What's new is it's being brought into the public space. So now in the public space, we're going to prize the things that were always valued in the private space. That is new, right? But it's a new story for for, 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 the, for the men that designed the public space. So that newness is important. And for women to be active in the public space, that's new and requires courage and energy that they weren't expending before. So there are shifts for all of us, but let's not take for granted that it's obvious what these shifts are or collapse them all into one thing. Right, So quite often I hear this term, heart or love, right? And when people use the term love or they use the term heart, there's a temptation to collapse everything into that as if, oh, we all share this thing, but we mustn't um, devalue the structures with which we're coming into that space that we have to actively unlearn You know, so um, patriarchy or colonialism or uh, othering, you know, all of these things uh, have to be actively unlearned to the point where we can get to a really complex heart space or where love means something that acknowledges the difficulties people have experienced to get into that. Ability to relate with each other. So it's this is why we're saying that um, the community work uh is so important um because it creates a kind of an incubator for all of that. It's not a you know, it's not a flat space, people rising, demanding something. It's not simply solidarity, it's much more complex than that. It's It's space for all of this complexity and history to somehow patiently meet itself. And the the thing that binds the people who do it is that they live in the same place. Nothing more. We live in the same place. We're all interested in each other flourishing. We want our children to to do well. We want a future for, for everyone here. And we know that if we... Exclude people. It threatens the security of our space. The excluded ones will be the ones who threaten the security. So we have to, we have to be about the whole community and we have to create spaces in which we can meet in complex ways. It's got to have this incubator like feeling. It's not simply about people rising up. It's, it's, it has to be carefully designed and. That is, what I, that is what we're observing, that these spaces we see are carefully designed. There's a lot of facilitation. There's a lot of coaching going on in these spaces. That's why I really honor your listening public, your readership, your, the people you're speaking to here. I really honor their mission at this time, is to be able to hold space for individuals and hold space for groups and communities. Um, don't think it's an easy thing to do, but you know it's not. But your role in your capacity for doing that is so important right now.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, exquisite again. And, you know, I just can kind of think of like uh, pre and post, like, pre and trans kind of approach mm. to love or like the tragic, the pre-tragic, tragic and post-tragic in that, mm. yeah, if if you just have love from the beginning, mm. then it kind of might have that kind of sentimental sweet. It's just an idea of love, you know, but actually it's important to include the disruption and the um, pain might be the right word, but this, of, you know, before I mentioned that, all these marginalized voices that are like, you know, have been moving, are moving into the center. There's a decentering taking place, you know, Mm -hmm. as we recognize this design of the world that you're describing, you know, this, Mm. this kind of like patriarchal capitalist, um, consumerist Cartesian design we have of the world and how that's, Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable that it's being disrupted. And, but I think that's where I'm feeling like then there's a tragedy in that, you know, we're all we're grieving in some sense and um, mm. being vulnerable and raw. And yet there's a kind of love that or that could imagine, emerge out of that, a, a love of life, you know, mm. finding the joy in life that comes after or in the midst of including all of that. So... Um, Yeah. That's just one thing I wanted to share. There was so much in what you said said there that I could pick Mm -hmm. up on. And I think because of time, like, I just want to kind of ask you about like what people could do, you know, if you would make any invitations, this whole conversation has been an invitation, Mm. but yeah, you know, we've talked about the importance of not just um, imagining, but imagining connected to desire and Mm. um a a collaboration and and the play you know i love that you talk about place as well because that feels so practical as well as Mm. being something i think we've like we've we've ignored you know or it's like place used to feel more important than i think it does now and um anyway so my question is more like what would you recommend people to Mm. to do to pat if they're inspired by this conversation where what could we do
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, in, you know, to plug my my own book, which I rarely do, actually. There's there's a there's a lot of steps that are that, that are obvious there. So, um, what I what I mean by that is, and I think your listeners will 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 know that there are many forms of agency. You know, so what what maybe in integral circles would be described as uh, development. You know, from a more feminine perspective, I would describe them as different forms of agency. Um, And they're all valid, and they're all important in our society. So whether you are a a protester, or whether you are an institution builder, or, you know, or a a human rights activist, or a civil society builder, or or, or somebody who's just immersed, you know, in a festival way of doing things, or whether or not, you know, you are politically minded, um, and want to it's really to identify your own um, sphere of action, but then try to see the others, you know, and then if you can bring them into relationship with each other. So it might start, for example, with just saying, okay, I, am naturally, you know, a strategist, right. I, I'm, I'm looking at society and I'm thinking about, um, you know, this group needs to do that and that can come into relationship with this. If that's who you are, you know think about who are the who who's the activist in your life you know who's the institution builder in your life you know who's the you know the radical uh, equalities person in your life you know this what I'm thinking about is the green act ac- person in that kind of green these people are so important um who who is the person who wants to um create whole system change system thinker and see if you can't um you know, occasionally have conversations as a group uh, and start to think, you know, this is just the small, what I would call a fractal of system change. Because if you can begin to develop that conversation in yourself, uh, to see the multiple forms of agency, you will pretty soon begin to see how that could work in your uh community. You know, who are the who are the the groups that could profit from being in conversation with each other. And you might um you know, create opportunities for that. And that, that's only if you want to take action, you know, if, if you are in fact an, an action taker of that kind. But if you're somebody who was already simply immersed in what you're doing, um, it's, it's how you develop your imagination yourself of how your community could move into a different uh, space as a community. Um, and, and, and dwell upon the fact that this is happening all over the world and and, and begin to see that as an evolutionary this is an evolutionary moment where, you know, if I was standing on another planet looking at this one, I'd say, "Oh, come the challenge. You know, human beings self-organized in a completely different way. And that's an evolutionary moment and possibility. It really is not the same as uh, voting for the right party or buying into, we need to fix this problem. You know, if we're always looking at the task as problem solving, we will be stuck in the problem. I really encourage people to think about it as evolutionary and think of our human potential and our social potential, our ability to self-organize in the face of the the thing that we've created for ourselves, the, the, the crisis and the opportunity that we've created for ourselves. How are we now going to respond?
0: And if I was to like put you on the spot a little bit and say, <laughs> you know, um, and you're naming it already, but in some ways, but if you were to name your vision for the future, you know, um dreaming and and desire and what what would the world look like and put you on the spot there? But yeah,
1: no, no, don't because I'm thinking about it all the time. It's yeah, you know, ahead. I'm thinking about it all the time and, and trying to be it, you know. But I think the, I think the shift that, that's inviting us is that we're going to redesign our daily lives. That's how I see it. And the redesigning of our daily lives means that actively, we're going to think less about being parts of a machine that does something in order for something else to happen. But to move into today and every day, I want to live my full purpose. And it's likely that if you're thinking like that, you will change the shape of your life. You will stop. Working the way you're working, you'll start prioritizing relationship building. You'll start understanding what your needs are and the needs of those around you and start to actively try to get those needs met in connection with the planet. So, for example, <laughs> not a popular example, maybe, but, you know, when I understood about the way that I was eating was destroying the planet, I changed my way of eating But actually, it came to me as a health opportunity and an energy opportunity. You know, it came to me as I want to feel more healthy and energetic. And I ended up becoming a plant-based, you know, diet. But, you know, and it had a better impact on the planet. It's that kind of things, uh, you know, um, everything um, integrating, really, having a more integrated life means I will impact the planet in a new way. And that's redesigning my life. In my vision, this is happening everywhere. And that people will start to become part of their cosmolocal communities in this redesigning of their lives. And that what's arising is what I describe as a parallel polis. So the parallel polis means that there is an active group of people all over the world, coming into connection with each other, uh, honoring their evolutionary purpose, um, including people that were never included before in their own process, uh, and standing for something, doing something differently, and creating a new economy out of that thinking and doing that really is capable of shifting the planet, not only because it comes into being but because as a story of coming into being, it starts to influence the mainstream as well. So building our soft power, the power of the attraction of what we're doing now, to me is the way. So it's a bit like saying, have more fun, feel better, get energy, imagine a better future. And that is the attraction that ultimately will shift the mainstream. Uh, and I, I, I think it's already happening. I, I'm sort of in it now. I'm not saying I'm in it without problems. I keep getting pulled back to the news and seeing the reality for so many other people. But I do sense that there's a powerful attractor for this thing that we're in together. We're both in it, Joel. You know, and the yearning for it is strong. Uh, let's invest in that properly. Let's stop talk. Let's stop downplaying that, and instead. Give it all our attention, invest ourselves in it, and make it grow.
0: Really inspiring, yeah. I'm so glad I asked you that question. Where, where, um, where else would you point people to? Like, there's your organization. I'm, I'm very happy that you invite people to join your newsletter. Mm. I, I want that, you know. So. Mm. Um, but are there any, any other communities that you're like, oh, check these people out, check these people out? Because yeah. I like this idea of being able to plug in and build the strength of this network.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, you, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a community orientated, um, you know, if, you, if you're ready for the community work, then you should look at what's around you, meaning uh, is there a transition town, an eco-village? And I'm talking to anywhere in the world. You know, the eco-village movement is everywhere. Now, it's not perfect. Some people will say, oh, I tried that, didn't like it. Bring yourself to it and develop it as something that is energetic and ready for development because you'll find that with all of these small fractals, they've done the hard work of bringing together uh, ideas and methods and tools, and now now this moment is for you to bring your imagination and creativity to these things. So if you're community-orientated, find a municipality that's working like this, uh, an eco-village, a transition town, there's going to be one near you, right? Or look at our website and you'll see um, that we name them all the time. Look in what we call the CANS section, Community Agency Network. There's a whole section there and you'll find there's many, many, many kinds that already exist that you can go and bring yourself to and develop it and uh, you and you can um, you know flourish, you know, learn to flourish in that. But if that's not your thing, you're not a community person, um, then do you know? Then 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 again, you know there are so many at the moment. The world of podcasts or the world of um, uh, you, know, think, you know Zoom Zoom uh, conversations is is so rich and strong. You know on YouTube, you know choose the ones that you want to inf- involve yourself in and see whether or not you can't influence that space to bring it down into what are we doing now. So I- I'm not going to offer your listeners, you know, an easy, or oh, just join this group or join this um, cultish thing. That We're all in the space right now of being able to join something. You know, if you are joining uh, – metamodernism, or uh, the Emerge Network, or the Burning Man Network, in all of these spaces at the moment, still pretty male-dominated, it needs to be brought to the point of, can we bring this to the ground? What does it look like when we're actually doing this in community? So that would be my challenge and opportunity to anyone listening, is that there's a plethora of conversations and possibilities happening. But our task at this moment is to realize it in real time, to to bring it to the grassroots, to bring it amongst people, and to start building these structures, these infrastructures that will eventually give rise to this parallel polis and be the shift, be the change um, that we're yearning for it sounds like a long haul when I'm describing it, but if you, re- if you can see how much work has already been done over the last three decades, think about it more as we are already in the revolution um, and we need to accelerate it and that you, anyone listening, committing to that is acceleration. That is the journey. That is the story of your life that you could now be part of.
0: Mm. Yeah, really inspiring. Um... Yeah, I really um feel I, I won't comment on what you just shared but I, f- I just feel nicely cooked by our conversation Yeah, like uh you know in a in a positive way you know like um inspired and touched by the way you speak and the place you speak from I really appreciate that you know like you have a really really um, nice way about you and I feel like you're walking your talk you're living this work and so um so I just want to thank you for um a really great conversation Indra. I really hope this touches other people. I'm sure it will and um seeds that that inspiration and that desire to act, you know. Um can, and can can bring I, things down. Yeah please yeah. Can I say
1: one more thing, Joel? Like, even as yeah, I'm talking to you, it occurs to me that um that the way that uh and I'm I, and I'm sure people will forgive me if I'm stepping over boundaries, but the, the way that a, a woman experiences the what I'm describing um, is, comes quite naturally um, historically, right? So historically, we've had the space to develop our emotions, to develop our connectivity, to be relational. Um, and it's different for a man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They've been developed more in the public space to be problem solvers, fixers, Progressives, one of the most simple mechanisms is to partner with a woman, is for the men to partner with the women. Because even if it doesn't come naturally for them to be that way, to work together with the women is to be much more likely to create the social change that we're talking about.
0: Hmm.
1: That even some of the men who might not Think of this as their natural way of being, to accept that it's necessary for society to move in this direction, to become more relational, holistic, regenerative. If these words appeal or make sense, and innovatory, never forgetting the part that, um, you know, what I call is triangle behavior or circle behavior. The triangle behavior is always going forward. And the circle behavior is always creating context. So we could even leave the man female behind, if you like. But we need both. We need the forward and we need the circular, the the womb-like incubator-like helping people to grow. These need to work together. I would never want to leave the technology behind. I would never want to leave the forwardness behind or the creativity behind. It's the partnership between those two that will lead us to a healthier planet. So that's, if nothing yeah. else, I'd like to land that um, as, a, as a way forward.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you in that. I was thinking that before when you were speaking about, um, you know, even just like what I like about my wife is that sometimes I'll go in and I'll be like, oh, this, reading this book and these ideas. And then just in the way I talk with her about it, it's really mm. like grounding, you know, like, mm. and it's like, okay, cool. Nice ideas. It's great. And then, but, you know, so what? Like um, yes. so- bringing me into, <laughs> so bringing me into connections, like, and yeah. anyway, I do, I do think, you know, I just, I'm with you on what you shared, basically, yeah, yeah, mm. like even if we take out man, women, and talk about masculine, feminine qualities, that, mm. yeah, the the feminine qualities are some that have been marginalised and are coming back into the centre, mm.
1: um,
0: and so yeah, beautiful, beautiful invitation, um. Well, yeah. Then I just want one last thing. Can you give us the name of your website so people can find out where you are?
1: Yeah. So that's the thealternative.org.uk, um, or or you could put in nowadays thealternative.global, and you'll find the same space. We've gone global.
0: <laughs> Great.
1: Yeah. Um, and if I could plug the politics of waking up, power and possibility in the fractal age the story's there and it's not about me and my idea. It's my observations of what's been going on for the last 30 years um, and what I, what I'm, why I'm convinced that the revolution has begun and uh, it's all, you know, the solutions are already there. It's really for us to wake up to that.
0: Nice. Just a a heads up again, if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about other things we create, then,